And now for the Black Firehouse Podcast, the only Ghostbusters podcast that discusses props, costumes, sets, and special effects with your hosts, Austin Young and Dan Harshman. You know, it's just occurred to me we really haven't had a completely successful test of this equipment. I blame myself. So do I. Let's get ready. Switch me on. Austin. This podcast shit is hard, bro. <laughs> it's way harder than it needs to be. It is way harder. <laughs> I, and I feel like we're, we're <laughs> otherwise poor. <laughs> yes. So we're rich on knowledge, poor on technology. So like yep. I, I checked my computer and it was like, you have 10 gigs of free space. I'm like, all right, well, that's. That's that's more than enough, right? To to record this shit. Oh my god. You throw in family and kids and all that. Oh my god. The thing is is if we don't keep trying and keep putting stuff out there, we're never gonna get to a point where we can have a Patreon where we're gonna have other people pay for our shit. Oh my gosh, Patreon <laughs> is still part of your goal? Gosh. The, no, the, it's not really. <laughs> the, the Black Firehouse Media Empire that never will happen. <laughs> because not of, with that attitude. <laughs> because of poor life choices. Oh my gosh. That what hey, a, hey yeah. if yeah. I have to continue on without you, I will. If you, you don't believe if you don't believe in the mission I will last four or five days after you decide to quit. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, guys, welcome to the black firehouse podcasts. This is your host, Dan Harshman, as always joined by the delectable, delicious and always nutritious Austin young Austin. Hi. 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 Oh my gosh. We're, uh... <laughs> oh, I can't wait to bring the sound down on that one. Uh, Thank you. So, yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. So I think the last time we recorded was what, early July? Like, I think it was July 10th that we talked about ecto goggles, and I got that up yesterday. <laughs> That's uh, today is the 16th of August. The 16th. And we can't keep posting Ghostbusters 2 pictures saying, we're back. I'm like, I don't know. Maybe we're back. Maybe we're not. Uh, we are here currently. We are right currently now. here. We're excited to talk about Ghostbusters props and costumes. Uh, as I learned, um, much to the excitement of your of your dad. I didn't know that. I didn't know that your dad was uh, an avid listener of the Black Firehouse podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it, like I was saying earlier before we were having technical issues yeah. yet again. He's he gets very mad when you don't upload them on schedule. I mean, that I'm kind <laughs> of excited. I've never experienced fatherly disappointment. So I'm happy <laughs> I'm happy that I can do that. Um gosh. Gosh, what a uh, what a time. Um and we were talking about we were talking about uh that Tennessee convention that was Awesome Con, right? Or Amazing Con? Uh I think it was called Awesome Con. I think it was Awesome Con. Up in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. You yeah. were talking about the uh 
the blood-stained rollout bed that I ended up on. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and how awful everything was to get up there because my <laughs> girlfriend had just left me. Um, so we had to move out of our apartment. Well, I, I moved out of the apartment. And uh, then my cat died. And yeah. then on the way to that convention, uh, the head gasket on my mm. car exploded <laughs> in the mountains of of Tennessee. Like, I yep. think an hour and a half outside of Pigeon Forge. And I had to sell my car to a junkyard and then take everything out of it and check into this shitty little motel. I had my proton pack and everything with me. And uh, thank God I had a, a buddy of mine, really, really close friend, come and rescue me drive out all the way from Chesapeake, drove up to where I was at Gateway City, <laughs> the border between old Virginia and Tennessee. What a fucking nightmare. I still remember him giving me a call because he passed the a billboard that said birthplace of country music. He's like, dude, hang tight. We're coming for you. <laughs> <laughs> and then you finally get to the hotel and you walk in and you're just suffocated with the stench of chlorine oh yeah that's right well the because the hotel was two separate hotels built together well they had put a there was a swimming pool outdoors in between them and they decided ah oh, we'll just we'll just roof over the top of it and put a wall up and it'll be fine. Yeah. So it's, it's already hot because it's the middle of summer and then mm -hmm. every single room's individual AC unit was yep. pumping hot air into the atrium oh. while they had this old school over chlorinated swimming pool in the middle of it all. I mean, like it was wonderful. <laughs> it was just wonderful, man. <laughs> Oh, son of oh, a bitch. oh! Do you remember the guy, the Elvis impersonator, that put on a, sh a concert in the parking lot, like on Saturday night or Sunday? I don't know if I had left already by then. I can't remember, but can't that was remember. awesome too. But you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw in a good memory from that trip. Aside from spending time with you, was uh, was Ryan Kemp showing up? Yep. at random. Yep, you just know, always, as he did, as he did. I loved, loved that guy. I mean, just, he always showed up when you needed him. <laughs> He's, he heard your car exploded. He He's did. just like, how, how can I help? He was just like, uh, <laughs> the, the, the Kemp signal went off and he was just like, <laughs> oh man, somebody's having a hard time. I need to just be there and remind him that it'll be all right. It's all good. Yeah. Oh, what a guy. What a guy. I know. So, man. Uh, we just released our episode on ecto goggles. Yeah, and really none too late, dude. Because uh, I'm I'm super stoked. Uh, Ghostbuster fans is actively shipping out their brand new replica replica <laughs> replica lenses. Yeah, I saw AJ's posts. Uh, I guess it was earlier today. He's like, oh yeah, ninety five percent of these are shipped. Dude, let's... and I panicked for a minute. I was like, "Oh God, are they all gone?" But he said he's he's going to keep doing them. He's not just doing a run of them. So no, no, that's. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm already, you know, post Dragon Con plotting how I can <laughs> buy yeah. another set because uh, let's talk about these. 
because we've seen metal lenses before, and I know we talked about AJ's uh, replicas through GhostbustersFans.com, GBFans.com, um, before. And actually, there's some other cool stuff coming out of GB Fans right now that I'd like to talk about too. But uh, these lenses, we've seen aluminum lenses before. Mm-hmm. We've seen good aluminum lenses before. Yep. These they've things... always been like, as far as I'm aware that I've seen, they've always been one solid machine piece. Yes. Yeah. Usually one solid machine piece and, uh, you know, user has to paint part of it black, mm-hmm. um, that kind of thing, or, or paint one entire lens black. And we've seen some decent replicas, but they're always heavy. Yeah, I I started machining a set of lenses, I don't know, five or six years ago, probably longer than that. Mm-hmm. And I finished one lens and I was like, no, nope, fuck this. This is they're going to fall off my face unless I just cinch down that head strap so tight. That oh, yeah. It cuts off all circulation. So, you know, but you live and you learn. Uh, my bright idea was that, oh, I'll keep the, you know, the the base thick. Mm-hmm. So that I, I have plenty of material to, to drill and tap and put set screws in the back. Sure. Um, it was just stupid. It, but I I still have it. I keep it as a reminder. You know, like... <laughs> it's not all ideas are good. <laughs> no. Four ounces. Yeah. Four ounces, dude. Oh. It's I mean, that, that's incredible. That really is incredible. Um... They're gonna they're gonna feel like feathers on top of your head, and um, you know, already looking at the frames. I'm not sure if the frames are going out at the same time. I know he said that these will start shipping soon, so I don't mm-hmm. I don't want to misrep. Yeah, uh, what is and is not going out right now, but I know those frames are right around the corner. Um, I'm I'm just excited, dude. I'm excited to work on them. Um, I was looking at reference stuff all last night, trying to decide what what style of frame I want to build first. Mm-hmm. You know, do I want to build LA shoot or New York shoot first? And uh, I, I think with my construction of the superhero, um, I'm gonna go with uh, with with um, LA shooting. You gonna try and break them? No, <laughs> I am gonna drill that hole though, and yeah. probably leave it empty. Are you going to cut off that corner to simulate a break, or are you just gonna leave it intact? I, I taking think, a little artistic liberty. Yeah, I'm gonna take a little liberty on this, um, okay? Because yeah, you know that that that's even one of the things researching the superhero just just in the one scene on the rooftop there's so many changes on the pack just during that scene trying to choose like you know at one point the the hga is missing two of its bolts at another point the resistor on the side of the ion arm is missing another point you know the the entire bolt for the l bracket on the the power cell is missing and you can actually see the pack coming off of the motherboard. It's so difficult to start replicating something from a scene. So 
I I'm putting a little bit of idealization into it, and uh, in which I'm like, okay, I'm not I'm not going to include the on off switch, but I'm going to have the hole drilled out for it. You know, that way I can put all the labels and stuff on it and it'll look cool, but I don't want the unintentional damage. Like I want to get, you know, what, what it was intended as a prop at that time, at that particular point in filming. Yeah. That's always a, an aspect that I struggle with when I decide I want to make something is it's like, you, you know, what's obviously intentional to the prop. And then you have things like epoxy seeping out from underneath the the round resistor on the ion arm mm-hmm. and it's totally visible in the movie but it's not intended to it's, be there it's not intended but then there's people that replicate that and like it's it's fucking gorgeous i mean yeah that, that i mean level attention to detail i love it i'm there for it mm-hmm. um it's that but it's those sorts of deviations from like accuracy like if you decide you want to build a Vankman hero pack, but you don't want the glue blob. Right. Like, I don't, you know, I don't, I'm not going to knock you for like, well, but you didn't put epoxy strategically placed around the outside of that resistor. You know, I understand wanting to leave out certain details like that. That's, that's what, that's what I think sometimes people are missing about the accuracy fans. Or nuts. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to say Nazis because we're not trying to tell everybody that they need to go ahead and, and be accurate. I'm just saying, you know, we, we've touched on this before, that that's what I enjoy mm-hmm. out of building yeah. Ghostbuster props. And that's one of the things I enjoy seeing in other people's builds, is that some people will include those details and some people yeah. don't. And then that makes it, even though you could have five Bankman heroes, what what is everybody considering important to their build that they included Mm -hmm. or did not include, you know, what features jumped out and attached them to that prop. That's fun. That's a lot of fun. Yeah. A lot of times it, it inspires me to go, well, okay, I guess I'm going to add that to mine. If, you know, if I left it out or or whatever, or never noticed it, you know, Um, there's so many differences, like you were saying between just, one scene mm-hmm. you know a pack can look three different ways and with the original two films you know the props in those movies it's almost limitless the combination of details you can mm-hmm. put together and yeah. still ta- and still be within the realm of screen accuracy <laughs> well uh you know we we still have plans uh to get Derek on the show, which I'm still mm-hmm. excited about. Derek Osborne, master historian of, of Ghostbusters production history. I would love to... Alright, Derek, we're getting into... We need to know the scene and the take in the date <laughs> of, of this shot and say, okay, well, I'm, I'm recreating the superhero proton pack from take 23, scene 47... On at, on at three forty five p.m. on November the seventh, <laughs> you know, um, and then at, at three fifty two they repaired the resistor. Oh, and so, all right, we'll just throw the whole replica <laughs> out. But uh, so yeah, yeah, I think I'm going to do L.A. shoot goggles um, just to go with with when I when we see the superhero pack on screen. 
Um, but I'm excited, dude. I mean, it's it's a gorgeous replica. I will be excited to see solutions for straps. Um, started looking yeah. at hardware last night. Uh, strapping material. You've you've built goggles before. Nothing like highly accurate. I've done a couple of pairs with you know PVC lenses and right. stuff. That was again the intention years ago when I was machining those lenses. It's like it's it's time I do metal lenses, right? And uh, I haven't I haven't bothered since. So, but I want to I wanted I totally want to get a set of these lenses of AJ's and and one of the sets of frames and yeah and build a build a pair of goggles that I wouldn't be afraid to wear out anywhere. Not afraid to breathe on them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, but, uh, the, the strapping, you know, I don't think we really talked about the straps, the head harness. I think I brought up the fact that I think there's a theory going around that they were leather and I don't buy that at all. I just don't see any evidence for it. They look, it looks like elastic to me. So there, there is a, what's called, I found this out last night. It's called a retention ladder Mm -hmm. that's on the back of the head. Um, and it's essentially, it it looks like a little ladder and it's what the strap, the, the top strap is going through and And how it loops over the, uh, the ear to ear strap and it bunches up in such a way it's, it's 100% not leather. No, Um, even, I mean, even really thin leather wouldn't behave quite like that. No. Uh, so I, I was doing research and trying to find out what would necessarily behave that way. And I found that I, I believe it's the same material that's used in adjustment straps um, for like military rucksacks. Okay. Uh, not necessarily what is on the straps, like the, the shoulder straps, um, but the the nylon webbing that is used to secure items on backpacks is otherwise made of an ultra thin nylon webbing that bunches up and behaves almost identically to how that strap is bunching up through that retention ladder. Okay. And uh, that that is my current assumption. That's what I think it is. I also noticed that there was an interesting taper. Uh, I believe to probably adjust the width of the head strap that um, isn't terribly unlike a leather belt tip, Mm -hmm. but I don't have any photos clear enough to verify if this is something that the strap was just cut in that shape because it's easy to feed through or if there is another piece of hardware on there. I can't tell from photos. Um. I just looked at pictures of the GB1 yeah. goggles earlier. Uh, where's the picture? There's a really good picture. Oh, I've lost it. Why? I mean, of course, I was, there I was on our favorite favorite website, the Ghostbusters Reference Library. Yeah, see, that's what I'm looking at. There's this shot of Ray, um, kind of three-quarter profile. Mm-hmm. It's a somewhat grainy screenshot, but I see ridges in the strap. Dude. My eye sees ridges in the strap. Now it uh-huh. could just be artifacting on the uh, on the screen grab. I don't know. See, I uh, 
I didn't get ridges from the photos, but go on. Anyway, uh, so that's why I've always just kind of assumed that it's elastic. Um, but and yeah, it could, it could be, be it, but it could yeah. be elastic. That's the thing. Elastic also can bunch up not too dissimilarly like that. Um, but my, my thing, mm-hmm. elastic doesn't make a great head strap for these particular goggles because I have used it in the past and they don't adjust particularly well. So unless that they, unless they were adjusted ahead of time to fit his head, mm-hmm. then I, you know, I'm not sure if that's what it is or not. And we, you know what? We'll probably never know no. unless we get like 10 K crazy resolution screen grabs, you know? Um, I'm looking at the picture you're talking about on the back where you can see kind of a taper. Mm-hmm. Are you talking about the the strap that goes horizontally? Correct. Yeah. 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 I see that. It, to me, it almost looks rounded. Like it's it been rounded off. Yeah. It's a, it's like a rounded D shape. Um, mm-hmm. And uh leather belt end or tip is what I ended up finding that this particular piece of hardware is called. Um, they, they make a, a rectangle version for nylon web belts or just standard cotton web belts. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was trying to see if at any point they made something that was more of a D shape. And I came across leather belt tips, which you would see that shape repeated. Um, some really fancy ornate ones. I'll, I'll throw something with, you know, <laughs> ornate designs on there. That'll work. <laughs> Spruce it up. Spruce it up. The Yeehaw Ecto goggles. <laughs> but uh so super excited about those man i mean i think uh just as pieces they're they're going to blow any replica available otherwise out of the water and there's some damn fine replicas on the market right now as far as mm-hmm. ecto goggles go um but you know they're still you know the 3d printed ones might have uh aj's on weight i'm not I'm not yeah. sure because they're going to be really very light. Um, and there's still really good resin replicas out there. But dude, four ounces of machined aluminum on an ABS plastic injection molded ANP VS5 frame that is just waiting for you to decide particularly how you want to customize it. I mean, mm-hmm. you could you could do anything with those. You can melt them down. That's stupid. I'm just saying. You, you could. could. A- ABS melts really well. You could. It takes a lot of heat, though. That's why you should yeah. 3D print with ABS instead of PLA. Um, I'm excited about them. But then AJ, to put uh, the under-the-radar icing on the cake, totally not prop-related, but totally inflates my ego, uh, was his Black Firehouse edition pin Mm -hmm. part of the ghostbuster fans firehouse collection that that tickled me i love it i have to admit i didn't realize he had done any previous firehouse pins (laughs) oh they're awesome and uh he'd sent me you know the pictures of that Mm -hmm. uh gb1 firehouse i was like oh that's amazing are you gonna do a gb2 variant he sends me a picture of his GB2 variant, and he goes, what's different between this one and GB2? And I was like, oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> he's done an a, awesome line of them. I mean, he's got the real Ghostbusters firehouse on there. Uh, he's got the, the firehouse, but it was still, you know, for sale. 
He's got mm-hmm. uh, Ladder 23 on there, and now he's releasing also um, the Sony Ghost Core Firehouse and the Universal Studios Firehouse alongside the Black Firehouse. <laughs> so I'm I'm stoked. I'm a huge pin collector. Yeah. And uh that just that just tickled me to no end. So I was really, really excited to see that. Um speaking of the Black Firehouse, I know you're not attending and it makes me the saddest sad boy ever, but Dragon Con is coming up. It is. And uh I will be bringing with me some uh some toys. Don't give them all away because I I'm still gonna, want some. <laughs> I'm gonna make sure. I'm gonna make sure you get yours. Listen, I I have thirty of these. I'm gonna make sure that we are giving out the miniature Black Firehouse collectible uh, to some of our close friends and inspirations for this podcast. Um, but don't worry, um, you're they're not all going with me. Okay, I have to make sure you're taken care of, Boo. I need at least three. Whoa, when did it go to three? Right now. Why? Well, two for me and one. We still want to do a giveaway at some point. Yeah, we are going to give away one. All right, two for you, one for giveaway. I can do that. I can handle that. One is for my dad. He specifically requested, you make sure I get one. I was like, okay. So Did he actually why. say that, or are you twisting my arm? No. Did you know I have a weakness for your dad? No, he legitimately was like, I want one. Get me okay. one. I was like, okay. okay. I, okay. Yeah, we're we're gonna make sure your dad gets one. Um, see, we we don't really talk about our families on this podcast. So, guys, this is a more casual podcast where we've just been so fucking busy and just trying to get back into it. We really just wanted to sit down and like chat and have a casual conversation, talk props, talk a little bit about life. It's a little little bit of a change from our normal, but... Uh, de-stress from de-stress. the stress of podcasting. Whoa, whoa. I'm pretty sure we can't talk about stress. That is copywritten by another podcast run by some friends of ours. Now we can do it. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm, I'm making an executive decision right now. If they want, they can sue. <laughs> but we're both hiring Ron Daniels. We're both hiring Ron Daniels. Ron Daniels <laughs> to sue Ron Daniels. Uh, <laughs> if anybody can do it, it's Ron. And win and lose at the same time. But he'll never tell us what the actual outcome was of what party won. He'll just say one of us lost and one of us won. He'll just be like, it's settled. It's, okay, who won? It doesn't settled. matter. Y'all are dumb. <laughs> Uh, who in the hell is Big Time Rush? Who in the hell sues themselves? That's the dumbest thing I ever heard. <laughs> oh, gosh. Let's see. What one. else? Prop news. Weird rumors. Uh-oh. Weird, weird rumors about the uh, HasLab Proton Pack. Completely unsubstantiated rumors. I have not heard said rumors, so lay it on me. Abs- just... I, I I don't know. I'm not even going to mention the guy's name. It just started popping up in a few of the forums that uh, that somebody was speaking about the HasLab Proton Pack releasing early in October. But then somebody else comes in and says, oh, I heard they're three months behind. Honestly, I think what's happening is we're getting wires crossed. And I think somebody thought that they were talking about the Hasbro Proton Pack, uh, 
but they're actually talking about the fun.com proton pack. Uh, see, I thought you were going to say something like, oh, word on the grapevine is it's getting canceled. No, they wouldn't cancel it. They they, they knocked that out of the park. But, you know, this this unnamed source uh, basically said he had a a production or, you know, friend or somebody like that. And they said, oh, yeah, I'll be here in October. Um, or a distributor. He had a distributor friend who said, yeah, they'll be here in October. And like, but the HasLab pack is not being distributed. Yeah. You know, um, I'm not sure if maybe like Big Bad Toy Store is allowed to order like five for limited distribution, but no, HasLab pack not not getting a wide distribution as far as I understand it, like the yeah. Spengler wand. And I did hear that the fun.com pack was delayed until October. So that's probably what it is. But the Spirit Proton Pack has recently seen a re-release. Yeah, and isn't it like three times as much money now? Um, I haven't checked the price. That's not. <laughs> that's not. I feel like like this I feel is... like every year they go up in price. I by mean, like ten dollars. Even if they go up in price, as long as they're not trying to hawk it at the same cost as that Fun.com Pack. Ugh. I mean, I want to say I saw a post the other day that said they were in stock for like seventy dollars, seventy or eighty. Well, I, thought and were, seemed... I thought they were originally eighty bucks. I always thought they were like forty or fifty, but I mean, n- no. What you're thinking is what they should be. Well, okay. What they should be, and and that is not a knock on what it is. It's just it's a very light plastic. And yeah. everybody replaces the thrower on them. So the thrower is almost negligible on the price point for the Spirit Proton Pack. But yeah. I mean, like, what it really is is what you said about 40 or $50 of plastic. Uh, what it sells for, because it is still selling through Spirit, um, they might inflate their prices a little bit. Okay, I mean, I could be totally wrong. I probably am way off base. I just feel like... Every year I hear the price, it's like, that seems more expensive than it used to be. It, it's probably every year you then proceed to forget about how much they went for. Probably. Because you're like, okay, that's cool. Let me just... <laughs> just gonna, I mean... <laughs> whatever. I've just never personally wanted to have one, you know, for any reason, so I don't actively go out looking for them or pricing them. Right. Um, I do want to get my hands on a couple of uh, spirit traps at some point, though. And uh, do some kind of a afterlife very trap to display. Them. Something, yeah. yeah. Like we talked about. You're gonna do, I think it'd be fun. You're going to steal my uh, acrylic box and get yourself a mixture of that dirt? Yes. Going to go fire. to Canada. Get some Canada dirt. Get some real Oklahoma dirt. Mix it up. There you go. Black Firehouse Podcast exclusive. The Black Firehouse Podcast brew. Mm-hmm. It's just mud. <laughs> Not for drinking. <laughs> but you could if you wanted to. But don't. <laughs> so this episode is really just a repeat of the last episode. Because that's the only <laughs> thing we can ever remember recording. <laughs> it's fine. It is. It is fine. Um, it's totally off the rails, unstructured, too hot for TV. Anything goes this episode. Unstructured. It is entirely unstructured, but you know what? I still want to do a You've Earned It segment. 
Oh God, I haven't even thought about that. So no, 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 I hope you have something picked out. <laughs> I do, I do, I do have okay. something picked out. Um, this came to me from uh, from actually moderating the Spengler's 1984 workbench. So, um, you know, if if you want to join the conversation, of course, guys, go over to Spengler's 1984 workbench on Facebook. Uh, and join in, you know, every, everybody's welcome, but it's of course a forum that's aimed towards higher end replicas with, uh, a real attunement to accuracy and detail. And, uh, there's part of the story that I absolutely love. This prop is from, uh, Tristan Court Lapiche or Lapish, um, or Lapish. I'm not sure. Tristan, best of luck with my mispronunciation of your last name. He has <laughs> built tripod traps. And they're gorgeous. Yes. I've been seeing those on uh, it's probably the 3D printed group mm-hmm. uh, for a while now. Kind of been following his progress there. And they are beautiful. They are gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. Bless his heart. He joined the workbench and immediately went to go and post it. But because of the nature of the workbench, we have a, uh auto mod in place that basically... Mm-hmm. If you have only been on the workbench for less than fourteen days, it auto declines your post, <laughs> and it doesn't it doesn't tell any of the other admin or moderators that it did it. It just does it. Um, so I got a, a message from Tristan asking me about it. I was able to go ahead take a look at what was going on there and find out the reason why, and then undo it and get his his post up. They're gorgeous, dude. They are absolutely beautiful and one of the things i love is he got the measurement and information from the owner of the actual tripod traps um yeah. who who's a buddy of ours and uh i still remember a fantastic conversation with said buddy i'm not going to name drop here because i don't want him to get harassed with a bunch of requests uh yeah but I guess he had been getting a little bit of static for not sharing any information about the tripod traps. And I talked to him about that and his response was, was essentially, well, nobody's ever asked. (laughs) (laughs) And And that's so funny because you know, it's true. Yeah, you absolutely know it's true. I mean, that's a subject that we touched on uh, a few months ago was the privilege of information and, uh, and like, also like, I wonder how many times people get upset that they're like, oh, this isn't being shared. Nobody's telling me this and stuff. It's like, well, did you ever just like, did you ask? The worst that can happen is they can say no or just ignore you or, yeah. you know, like, I mean, that's, it the, never hurts. They're not going to come in and like take your proton pack or whatever you're working on and being like, sorry, you asked a question about prop. So these are now mine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've never really thought about it until, you know, you mentioned that to me once before that he's like, well, nobody's ever asked. I was like, oh my God, I bet that's 99% of the cases. Well, nobody, nobody's sharing the information on this prop. Okay. Did you ask? Did you ask? Did you contact them and say, hey, would would you be up for sharing any information? Well, I think so many it, people, they just post a general question. Yeah. They just post it out into the ether and hope mm-hmm. that that individual sees it. 
and then well, get upset. And two, I I almost wonder if people, some people feel like if you own a screen use prop, it's an obligation to then immediately document it and share everything with everybody. And, you know, I know there's a lot of people that collect screen use props and, and wardrobe and things like that, that mm-hmm. they don't, and, you know, whether this is a valid reason or not, I, th- I, th- I think there's validity in it is that a lot of them don't want the things well documented because they don't want the, uh, they know people out there are crazy, ridiculous right. and can replicate it and try and pass it off as original. Um, I mean, for the love of God, we've seen some of the the horrendous shit that like profiles and history has put up oh, yeah. and said, oh, yeah, this is a screen use proton pack. It's like, no, that's not. It's not. So you can only imagine if somebody actually spent time and effort to try and replicate, you know, a well-documented pack. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, oh, yeah, I've got the screen use pack. See, all these scratches match up, you know. Right. I think that's part of the important uh, part of the importance is to understand that yeah that is a true that's a real concern yeah i mean the likelihood collectors yeah the yeah the likelihood of that happening is probably not very but it's still a possibility i mean there's always somebody out there that is looking to scam somebody somehow very true but that's you know that's actually one of the nice things i love about the ghostbusters community not only are we very liberal with the information that we share and put out there. Um, but we also have a tight control on where the, where a lot of the props that we know that are still in existence, where they are. Yeah. Which, and we've discussed it before that there's a lot of props that we don't know, such as mm-hmm. the ecto goggles that have just, you know, vanished, but um, there's still a lot that we know where they reside. We know where, four of the five hero proton packs for Ghostbusters one and two are right now. Yeah. Um, Which is, I mean, pretty incredible, especially for yeah. what, I mean, I would consider Ghostbusters. I mean, it was a, I want to call it a low budget movie, but you know, it was not a film that they would have cared about where this stuff ended up for the most part, you right. know? Um, I mean, most films didn't back then, but, you know, especially some weird comedy, sci-fi horror comedy with, you know, starring SNL cast members, like nobody gave a shit what happened to these things. So it's, it's a miracle to be honest with you that they even stuck around for Ghostbusters too. And they were able to reuse those props. Um, Yeah. It's definitely not like Star Trek in which, you know, it's a big sci-fi series that mm-hmm. has a warehouse full of Star Trek props, but there's so many that they often will walk off set. Yeah, or even even Star Wars. I mean, you know, there's not a whole lot of stuff from A New Hope, I don't think, that really got saved. Uh, I mean, there was a lot, but, you know, stuff from, like, Empire on, I think, mm-hmm. you know, George Lucas really made it an effort to, like, save everything and, and store it. everything, yeah. archive it. Um you know, so there's a lot of that stuff that's well documented. You know, we know where it's at, but you you expect something like that for those movies mm-hmm. that are bigger and and higher budgets and you know these huge worldwide 
phenomenons. Yeah, and not that Ghostbusters wasn't, but it was just it's just a different kind of movie, you know. Ghostbusters is a strange phenomenon in which it uh you know, of course, yeah, but we the diehard cat uh fans, sorry, not cast, uh the diehard fans are here, but it, it Ghostbusters will never have the same kind of following that Star Wars or Star Trek or Harry Potter, or Lord of the Rings or any of those mm-hmm. movies have. Um so it, it, the attention to the archival process of Ghostbusters is not there like it would be. You know, there there is not an entire studio backlot of <laughs> Ghostbusters sets that have been preserved yeah. for tour out in, you know, like, like say, uh, the Harry Potter sets that are preserved out in england for for people to go and see and look at yeah um you know we don't have a a company like weta that has preserved god so much so much of their material mm-hmm. for say lord of the rings now granted it, it, weta is all preserved in peter jackson's basement but it's still <laughs> preserved yeah um. it's it's one of those things too where you know I think Ghostbusters has the same kind of reach as Star Wars or Marvel or whatever in terms of, you know, how many people it reaches, how many people see it, how many people enjoy it. There's just, it's, you know, I can't think of anybody I've ever talked to that's like, oh, I hate Ghostbusters. Like, everybody loves Ghostbusters, you know? It's always one of those movies that they... They either love it or they haven't seen it. Yeah, I've definitely you know, met my fair share of people that haven't seen it, but I haven't yeah. had anybody that's just like, oh, I fucking hate that movie. You know? Um, We're obviously it, talking about Answer the Call, the universally loved and well-received yes. entry into the franchise. Yeah. I did... Yeah, <laughs> I, look, I like the movie, but I know... I know. I know. Uh, I did see a really kind of funny post the other day. Uh... And I was like, oh shit, that's right. That's weird. And it I don't remember the exact phrasing, but it was something along the lines of how crazy is it that one of the most universally beloved movies and one of the most universally hated movies share the exact same title? Oh shit, that's I was like, wild. Oh god, that's weird. That is wild. I never I don't think I ever uh put that into context before. That's uh that is a wild thought. Yeah. Brilliant props, though. I, oh, I, I love them. I hate how much, like, people are allowing, I think, their feelings of how they feel about the movie to really overshadow the production design on Answer the Call. It's a beautiful mm. movie. It's uh, it's beautifully shot with its own color palette that is distinctly different yeah. from the original Ghostbusters movie. It's very vibrant. And uh, it gets so much static. It's like, oh, the ghosts look like Scooby-Doo monsters. It's all bad CGI. And I'm like, it's all mostly practical effects that were done really, really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, lots of CGI for, of course, probably the, the non-human ghosts. But uh, there was a lot but, of I mean, thought put into it. What doesn't have CGI anymore? Yeah. I mean, Afterlife, you know, Afterlife you know jason reitman goes out of his way to say oh we wanted to do as much as we could practically but like they're also in this day and age there's a point where it's just not 
efficient you, you to do You mean to tell me that they didn't actually drive a 1959 Cadillac over a dirt hill? No. And and get it to, to make airtime? This is not the it's not the General Lee where they had 60 of them, you know, ready to go as soon as they tore up the front end. Lord. You know, and like I I don't believe I could be wrong, but I don't believe there was any sort of um, physical like muncher puppet or you know animatronic or anything. Oh, made. I think he's just been. he's just entirely CGI. Wait. And I'll be honest with you, that's a little disappointing because he's such a cool character, and I think that could have benefited from you know a few practical uh, insert shots. You know, like him mm-hmm. on the fire hydrant and stuff like that. I feel like you could have had a really cool fun puppet you know that would have worked well for those scenes Um, but i get it muncher is not getting the amount of attention i want him to get i know he's so great he's like you know slimer slimer gets a lot of attention but the slimer as a special effect is actually one of the weakest parts of ghostbusters as far as the movie special effects standing up today you look yeah. at Slimer, and he's really, for the most part in the movie, a blurry blob that just he, remains out of focus the entire time. He's literally a peanut at one point. I mean, he's literally a peanut, <laughs> and he's so out of focus for the entire movie, you buy it. You're like, yep, yeah, that, that peanut is most certainly still the, the puppet. Um, but Muncher, he's just so crisp, he's clear. It's like they combined all the best elements of the Scolari brothers and Slimer, mm-hmm. you know, they got that ethereal, um, otherworldly, you know, emotional being kind of thing of Slimer, but that nice clearness of the Scolari brothers. Yeah. But it, and but it still fits with all of them, which I love. I remember there was a snippet from an interview or something with, Jason Raymond at one point where he I, I want to say he said afterlife will explain why some ghosts look human and some don't and they we never didn't. got that no and I, I I wonder if that's part of the you know the eight hour version that got significantly trimmed down for the theatrical cuts I mean or if it was an idea that was scrapped at some point because at the end of the day it doesn't really matter it doesn't but it's it's one of those things that like you know, I think we're all guilty of one point trying to come up with an explanation. You know, I I still stay with uh, the West End Games explanation. I don't remember what That's that is. Still my favorite that uh, Slimer was the byproduct of uh, of cult summonings in the basement of the Sedgwick. Oh, and that class fives are decidedly non-human forms that are uh, released not not just from like cult summonings or anything like that but it could be like highly emotionally charged events or something but they were never humans was the point okay. that West End was making that class fives are they are like you know the subway ghost or the the opera house yeah. ghost from Ghostbusters 2 or the the archway ghost from Ghostbusters 2 that they they were never alive they are just like pure negative chaos gotcha. i always loved that yeah that makes sense too i mean you know and then Westin, you get the... yeah west end i know 
gosh, you know what? I'm I now I can't remember. I know one of uh one of our one of the podcasts out there did an interview with the creator of the West End Games RPG. And I don't recall if that was Yes Have Some or another one. I don't remember either. Um Ah, gosh, it, it's going to bother me. But what a fascinating interview with the creator of, of the, the tabletop role-playing game and basically how they had to kind of fill in all that information. Because mm-hmm. that is the background information for the source book. But they did it, and it was so successful that that's been what was published in official Ghostbusters material since then. It's yeah. in the Answer the Call material. It's in... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they published the, the Ghost from Our Past. This is in the Tobin Spirit Guide that was produced by IDW. Um, so I I hope that if it's something that the movies ever do address, that they stay with that established lore. If they change it, they change it. Because like you said, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. The movie's going to do whatever the fuck it wants to do. But it is still a neat snippet, and it's a neat piece of like Ghostbusters... Uh, made-up history that that has persevered through the years over everything else. I hope that they do change it so that we can get numerous posts arguing whether or not it's still canon. Is the video game canon? No. Ah, damn. Okay, and, moving on. And it doesn't really matter. It's fine. If you want it to be canon, it can be canon. Like, whatever. But, like, just don't don't um, die on that hill. <laughs> I, I don't know if you knew this, Austin, but the moment that they say something is not included in the original Ghostbusters universe, you have to immediately not enjoy that product. <laughs> uh, it is a requirement, actually. So, you know, things like if, if you do like Cancer of the Call, you, you're actually not allowed to because it's not part of the original Ghostbusters universe. Um, when have I ever done what i was told yeah. done what i was supposed to you know if you're if you're a bigger fan of the cartoon because <laughs> the cartoon's not canon you are suddenly not actually a real fan i guess i don't nerds pick weird <laughs> shit to argue about weird yeah. shit i i think one of my favorites was uh the latter being on the <laughs> other side of the ecto i don't you know started how... What? That you started? Hey, I didn't, though. That's the thing that baffles me. I don't know how I got roped into that. Everybody's like, oh, Dan's complaining that the ladder's on the wrong side. I said the ladder's on the different side, but I never complained about it. Obviously, the ladder's on a different side. Nope. It's your fault. It's canon. I, I (laughs) I I don't get how I got roped into that. It never fucking bothered me. At first, it was like, man, that was a surprising change. Everyone's like, ah, Dan Harshman, he's saying uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife's going to be sucky because the ladder's on the wrong side. (laughs) There he is, being an elitist again. Oh, how dare me. Like, I got so much static, I was so fucking confused by it because I was like, I never actually complained about this. Like, this was not something that ever bothered me. I'm sure there's a reason for it. I don't think production would put this much time into recreating everything only to be like, ah, we're just going to put the ladder on the other side for no reason. 
but that's that's what everyone believed. I I guess I I don't know, man. We had to blame somebody, and it was me, not the people. Yeah. Actually, they needed somebody to to burn at the stake. Yeah, that was what, me. What always cracked me up about that whole thing with the ladder is, I know it's not removable in the original prop. No, but I always assumed in universe it was because it didn't make sense to me that it would be permanently fixed to one side and then you just can't get around to the other side. So I thought when I saw, I, first of all, I never noticed it was on the wrong side until somebody pointed it out. I was like, oh, well, I guess it is. <laughs> well, maybe it's removable. Like that's it. But the the fit that some people threw. Austin Young, attention to detail, second to none. Oh, the ladder's on the wrong side. Neat. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's true. But is it? Are we even allowed to say that anymore? I don't know. Are we Probably actually not. allowed to say that the ladder's on the wrong side? Because, I mean... It's, it's on not. the right side for that movie. It's on, yeah. It's on, Correct it's on side. the left side. You can say yeah. it's on the left side. It's on a side. It is on the side of the ecto of a ecto yeah i just i just thought it was hilarious like after that gunner seat reveal and everybody was like oh well i guess that's fine (laughs) (laughs) i'm sorry but that that gunner seat's like the coolest thing it is cool very reminiscent of the kenner toy of course yeah it's just it's this I'm saying it right now, and everybody's going to hate me. It's the Superior Ecto-1, just because of the gunner seat. But I used to, like, prefer the Ecto-1A, so I'm just one of those weirdos. Yeah, um, man, you know what? I, <laughs> I, I, I prefer the Ecto-1 at the beginning of Ghostbusters 2. That's that's my ideal Ecto. The, the POS... Yeah, uh, when it's <laughs> falling apart, but it's not quite falling apart. Like I don't, yeah. I don't need it to be the barnyard Somerville Ecto, and I don't need it to be the super shiny Ghostbusters One Ecto. I need, I need it to be that well loved. Yeah, you know that's my favorite one, the one that nobody does anything with. Someday somebody's gonna hit the lottery, and it's gonna be me. Okay. And I'm going to make molds of a 59 and I'm going to do full fiberglass body kits and I'm going to have every Ecto variation imaginable. There we go. Including a, including a 1B. Oh yeah, you got to go with the 1B. I love the 1B just because of all the mixtures of uh, the Universal Studios details. Yeah. That's uh, something that bothers me, but it's also cool. I thought it was that neat. makes sense. I, I, it's I like it's it. neat that they... I don't want to say they're paying homage because I honestly think they just used this reference and didn't know any better. <laughs> no, I, I think I think that's exactly what happened. That's one of my favorite, most favorite games to play is looking at official Ghostbusters stuff and being like, "What fucking fan shit did they reference?" Right. <laughs> or it's there. Yeah, like Mikhail's belt gizmo that Blitzway ripped off for their one one sixteenth scale. Figures. I was or like, that's amazing. Hollywood replicas literally recasting Nicotron's ghost trap yeah. for sale. Yeah, you know. You know, homage. It's an homage. I mean, 
and you know it sucks but at the same time you can't do anything about it because none of us technically have the license right my favorite though is still uh the no ghost logo missing its chin oh god because it's that fucking vector image that was made in like 2004 yeah by a fan yeah and somehow has made it onto numerous pieces of official Ghostbusters merchandise, including the Hot Wheels mm-hmm. Elite Ecto One, <laughs> the first release that Ghost don't have a chin. Yeah, and and the other thing that drives me nuts is the constant use of the NECA Stay Puft and Slimer. Oh uh, yeah, toys. As, you know... Everything. Packaging art for everything. Well, it looks like the uh, the Slimer artwork from Answer the Call is now the new go-to that for packaging some, art. Some of that Ghostbusters 2 Slimer art gets used yeah, quite Some of bit. that does get used a lot. Man, I love Ghost Core. I appreciate Ghost Core. But if they want to hire me to just be like, no, you can't can't use that on this iteration of ghostbusters because it does it's not the right slimer or whatever this is not the right slimer yeah (laughs) i'll do it man (laughs) sorry this is not the right season of real ghostbusters slimer that you're including on your re-release of ecto cooler you're actually looking for season one slimer this is season four slimer in which dave coulier is involved we don't want that (laughs) you can tell it's more bulbous and child friendly (laughs) lost his tail man i love this prop talk i mean (laughs) hey hey you know what i i was finally able oh god uh you know i had that staycation i was gonna try and build that back yeah uh what a unmitigated disaster that entire week was uh there was actually nothing relaxing about that staycation i mean and i don't say this to downplay your hardships you went through during that but i think we all knew that that pack wasn't happening in that week yeah that pack may have not been happening (laughs) in that week but i was at least expecting some relaxation and fun that week and i had uh like none I had more fun the following week <laughs> when you were back when at I was work. Back at work, and actually got more done. But I did get to build. Uh, I think that weekend of that staycation, I did do the live video mm-hmm. of uh, doing the fill work on that Ben of Kent ghost trap prop. Yeah, I remember texting you and asking how you were doing, and you're just like, "Man, this sucks." The staycation yeah. sucks. Yeah, and then like the next day, you go live, and I was like, "This is his therapy session." It was. It was one hundred percent my therapy session. I had that big tall boy of Bud Light, and I was just out there. It was not too hot, you know. Still had a good sweat going on, but three hours of just, uh, yeah, build therapy. I got to get back to that trap. Um, Found out that I actually had already had metal plates sized for it, which I was really excited for. Um, I had uh, ordered ages ago. I mean, ages ago. uh, 
some metal trap plates that I ended up not using that were sized to Sean Bishop's ghost trap plans. And uh, that is actually the dimensions that Ben of Kent is using for his ghost trap kit that he has. So the metal plates are one for one. So I already had them. I was like, well, shit, might as well use them. Um, so I'm excited Again, about that. That's why we never throw anything away. No, never, never, ever. Uh, moving forward on the, the Ben of Kent ghost trap kit. It's a delight. It, it's a fun kit. It really is, you know? Well, and it's always fun. Like, and again, I'm not putting down anybody's kits or anything, but you know, it's fun to have just a, a prop kit. It's not necessarily accurate. But it's just a good time to put together. I feel like I end up having a little bit more fun. Uh, I have fun researching the screen accurate stuff. And then I fucking stress over how to recreate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> but when I'm dealing with something that I'm just building for fun, I'm not too terribly you know, concerned about what scene is coming from. I have a little bit more fun actually building the prop itself. So I'm I'm enjoying the work for the bot kit. Um, It's going to be kind of my go-to belt hanger. I'm going to permanently affix the pedal to it, to the top of the trap. So, man. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's the way to do it. It's all 3D printed. It's so damn light. Yeah, well, I'm just sitting here thinking, like, you know, trying to wear, I've, I think twice I've worn a trap with the pedal, like, Mm -hmm. you know, hanging off the handle and everything, like, like it's done in the movie, and it's such a pain in the ass. Um, So to have a trap as a belt hanger that's just like, yeah, you're just gluing it down, and it's not coming off, Mm -hmm. and if it breaks, it breaks, you can fix it. Uh, Yeah, that would be nice. Yeah, and I think the 3D plastic will be robust enough that it will be a good in-between unless, you know, somebody starts offering foam replicas, which I would Mm. would love a a foam rubber replica. But even a rubber, you know, a foam rubber replica may not stand up to maybe like convention scrutiny, you know, in which uh, you get up close like that, it, it may not look as cool. Uh, but the yeah. Ben Kent one is a it's a fantastic option. I'm just I'm just having fun with it, you know. Have a little bit of light action on there, and uh, I'll permanently affix that pedal to the top, which means I can I can cut a few corners on yeah. what it actually needs to get built because I'm not going to worry about you know a, a real vector plate. I'm not going to worry about putting uh, the compression bellow on it underneath that vector plate because you'll never see it. I don't even think I'm going to worry about painting the doors because you'll never see them. Are you going to put metal side rods on it? Yeah. What color? Probably red. Okay. Uh, Originally, I was going to do blue ones to have some fun with it. Uh, But if I am going for kind of that that belt hanger look, I, I might go ahead back on what I was originally thinking and, and do red ones. Then you have to build another trap with blue rods. I mean, listen, bro, with the amount of <laughs> ghost traps that I build, 
eventually, yeah, there's going to be one with fucking blue rods. <laughs> Red, blue, yellow, green, orange. Right. Yeah, purple. all the colors of the light up ones. Yeah. Light up ones. Um, Have you ever built of... a, a video game trap? No. Okay, I've you seen do one once. I broke it. Uh, <laughs> I still feel bad about it. I I remember every single unintentional uh, damage to somebody else's prop I've ever accidentally. Wait, so can we get a count? Because we've got Matt Burkett's video game pack. Yep. Is no, it just? No. It... Whoa, 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 no, 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 Matt, not Matt Burkett's video game pack. His uh, his semi hero, and the only thing okay. that makes me feel a little bit better about that one is that Matt was complicit and was pulling me when I fell over. But you still broke it. So there's that one. Yeah. And, <laughs> Was, and is this Tim Hook's trap? Tim Hook's trap. Shipping okay. it back to him uh, back in like 2010. I thought I packed it right. I got a good box. I put packing peanuts in it. I was like, there we go. It's it's set. And uh, it. he was so pissed. And rightfully so. I felt fucking horrible. Um. But I, I guess the postal system just manhandled the shit out of it. Or, you know, probably what I did was I chose too small of a box. Yeah. Um, I probably needed to choose a box that was like four times as large and just put the peanuts in there so that that trap could have just wiggled all over the goddamn place. Um, but I didn't because I, I don't normally ship stuff. And uh, I still feel bad about that. that. Was my fault. I don't know if he listens, but Tim, I still love you and I miss you. <laughs> he still listens. I I finally talked to him the other day, and he's Good. like, "Yeah, I I got I got more podcasts to listen to if you guys put it out." <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I dude, I I felt so bad for so long for that. I just wanted to hide. Um, I think that's an important thing, though, for people to know is that you still can you can make big mistakes in this community and come back from it if you're oh, yeah. learning from those mistakes. I've made tons of mistakes. Um, I'll probably still make mistakes, like doing a podcast. Yeah, wait, the the, the biggest <laughs> one of all. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Tim Hook had built a gorgeous video game ghost trap. I don't know if he was able to repair it or put back put it back together, but it was the only one that I can I can recall that I've ever seen. Oh, I, I'm sh- I think I've seen a few like 3D printed ones in recent years, but like, yeah, his was the only one I remember seeing anybody actually tackle. Yeah, yeah. Um, and of course, it had beautiful metal parts, and, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't remember if the trap was metal. Um, it had metal parts on it. I don't think the trap was metal. Okay, it's probably like wood or MDF or something. Yeah, I think it was MDF. Um, it was gorgeous though. Yeah. I would, I would love, I would love to 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 build one of those one day and uh, then give it to Tim so he could smash it. <laughs> <laughs> Just so I could feel a little bit better. <laughs> Um, revenge you ever see those comics where people are joking about something that they like said in like middle school that still keeps them up at night oh yeah yeah packing that ghost trap still keeps me up because i'll wake up in a cold sweat 
I will. I'll think about it every once in a while. I'll be like, man, fuck me. <laughs> um, hey, it happens. Now you know how not to pack a ghost trap. Yeah, no shit. Um, yeah. <laughs> we miss you, Tim. <laughs> we love you. Infinitely. I broke. I broke the metal PKE meter. He made me a Dragon Con. Oh, it God. was. It was made out of two forks from the Metro. No, but it was. I, okay, I didn't break it. Okay, oh. so convention story for reference <laughs> for everybody because everyone's like, "What the fuck is this guy talking about?" Tim Hook is an incredible builder, and yes. uh, you know he's he's. Um, kind of uh, uh, pulled back from the community for for a long while now, which is understandable. He's he's an amazing father um, to, mm-hmm. to two beautiful girls. He's doing a great job out in Minnesota, and we miss him infinitely. But he was one of the first people to really start building metal parts for proton packs. And uh, at the time, they were out of this world. And with the information that we have now, I know that Tim can still build them out of this world because he's just a brilliant craftsman mm-hmm. um one of his hobbies was fork sculpting so when we actually got to meet him for the first time at dragon con for pk Search 2009 uh he he bent us forks into small animals i got like a dog or a horse or whatever i still have it in austin you got a pke that you apparently broke the thing is is like the section with the wings is just gone, and I don't know what happened to it. So I, I mean, don't. Did you use yeah. it in another build? No, because that sounds like something you would do. I mean, no, I wouldn't do that. If somebody <laughs> gave me something like that, I'm not going to be like, ah, fuck it, I'm going to use it on. I need a, I need a mangled fork for this part. <laughs> I need, I need filler for this resin cast that I'm doing. I don't want to waste. Throw this in there. <laughs> My cud meter castings. <laughs> <laughs> have mangled forks in them to provide some real world weight to you know <laughs> keep with the theme of kitchen utensils so yeah i still have the other part of it though and i've always joked that whenever we get to meet up with tim again i'm gonna be like can you fix this <laughs> oh oh, oh. I, I can see you doing that please fix my fork <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> Now I'm going to be like, can you make it a PKE taser, though? Oh, no. He just he, he hooks it up to a battery and gives it back to you. Good luck. I, You know what? It'd be my favorite thing ever. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, I told you. It's unhinged. We're going off the rails. I mean, it's it's our bullshitting episode. It is. We're, we're talking about props. We're talking about memories. We're just having a good time, and I... I I don't think there's anything wrong with that. So one of the compliments we get a lot for our podcast is they like the casual nature of it. I don't know if it's because everybody that listens to us is secretly a fucking voyeur and just likes the idea of listening into somebody else's conversation, (laughs) (laughs) which is entirely possible. Um, Sure. But, you know, they like our cat. They like it. They like it casual. I like keeping it casual, you know. Fly, fly casual. Yeah, fly casual. Fly casual. Build casual. What Unless... else did I do? So I, well, I got um, 
you know, that three hour build of working on the bot kit, I also got some more progress on my superhero proton pack. I'm so excited, Austin. I think, I think I could have most, if not all of that pack finished by the end of September. Are you going to do like a ribbon cutting ceremony on YouTube, on Facebook Live and stuff? I fucking should. You should, because I feel like this pack is something you've been working on your whole life. I feel like it's been like six years. Yeah. And uh, it's just every every single time, like, I should be able to get it done this summer, uh, this spring. I'm like fucking Dan Aykroyd talking about Ghostbusters 3 filming. So (laughs) (laughs) it may actually happen, but it's still one of those things that nobody's going to believe it until they see the damn thing actually done. Um, but my new motherboard is on its way. I have some last parts from Ghostbuster fans, uh, presumably on its way. Uh, the only thing that I know I can't finish right now is the N filter. And, uh, and then, um, so I have a stand in resin N filter for now. And then, uh, the strobe at the very tip of the thrower because I am using a uh, rabid prototypes light and sound kit. So that that's, you know, that's the direction I wanted to go mostly because I wanted to be able to listen to the music. And also uh, some of his features are, are really cool uh, for yeah. lack of a better phrase. You know, it's, it's a solid kit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I still, I'm not like you, an electronics expert. So I have this Cobb LED that's installed into a vintage flash lamp at the very tip of my thrower, um, basically going off of what Julian did on on his, I think, Zedmore hero pack that he built. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't have any way of getting that bulb to talk to the rest of the kit. So I'm waiting for someone to come up with a module so that I can finally loop that bulb in and make it operate with the rest of the kit. Um, and if I've, I've asked another people like, yeah, we'll, we'll get around to it. And then they're, you know, off building barns or PKE meters or PKE meter light boards and everybody <laughs> having more fun than doing what I want them to do, which I feel like, what the fuck? Isn't it strange, though? I feel like there's a lot of things that are fairly, at this point, in terms of, you know, accuracy, high accuracy builds and things, there are some pretty basic things that just aren't available. And one of those is, we've talked about in the past, like, just a basic light kit that functions like the electronics in the movie. Yeah. Um, a, 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 A readily available highly accurate shell you know whether it's got actual screen use lineage or not something that incorporates the wonk and the imperfections and stuff rather mm-hmm. than something that's idealized which tom morris is doing a bang up job of doing he right is. now by the way he is um he's doing an amazing job i think we go through phases of having these things available to us yeah um you know i i think as far as a screen accurate light and sound kit I think 
probably the Ghostbuster fans light and sound kit is the closest shebang that is regularly available. Um, you know, yeah. uh, Matt Burkett uses a uh, custom design kit that is offered by, um, uh, oh gosh, I forget the name of, of the, the actual shop, but they're, they'll pop up on eBay every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't, I think it might be prop forge, but then I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it I is. think it's prop forge. Um, yeah. So they, they have, great light kits but if if you're not used to building sound mm-hmm. tying a prop forge kit into a sound kit now presumably you should be able to tie a prop forge kit into a ghostbuster fan sound kit so there is that possibility of getting the what you want out of out of those things but you know i don't think we're ever going to be at, at a time and place in which everything we need is available right then. Yeah. It... Where's the I... fun in that, right? <laughs> well, I, th- I think that's the ultimate goal of Max Factory, which I think is very, very admirable. Yeah. And I think that's the ultimate goal of uh, Proton Props and then Tom Morris. And, of course, Ben of Kent, you know, is to have everything you need available there, but there are still gaps electronics yeah. being one of the the bigger gaps that needs to be filled in um but i still think as far as ghostbusters props go we are in probably one of the most exciting periods that i've ever seen mm-hmm. oh you for know. sure i mean compared to even like five six seven years ago Mm -hmm. i mean we've got so much available to us that makes it so much easier to do you know not only just a a highly accurate build but just a nice build you know nice quality parts available um you know we have more no i mean like we have you know metal parts that are relatively available sometimes and you know Yeah, and uh, then you know the stuff, stuff yeah. like the the power cell injectors and the in filters and all those things set out of metal. You know, they're I get why they're why they come in waves because they they take time to manufacture and fabricate and um, but it it just even like ten years ago, it's like you had the opportunity to get in on a run of something like that like once every. You know. Six or seven months, and then you waited, yeah. you know, another six or seven months up to a year, sometimes more, mm-hmm. to actually get that stuff in. Which uh, yeah. I, I always get so frustrated. I see people complaining, especially right now, Max Factory is taking a lot of heat for um, no updates. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm like, well, <laughs> he doesn't owe you an update. Yeah, nobody's paid money for yeah, anything. You know, you, he, I mean, he doesn't owe you shit. He has the license right now. He's working through things. I mean, everything that I've seen come out of there goes through a level of quality control that's uh, fairly out of this fucking world. Yeah. Well, and, you know, just the fact that, I mean, 
if there was an update, you'd be reading it. Yeah. So the fact that there's no update means there's no update. It, it, you know. You know, I mean, sorry, but that's just the way things work sometimes, well, it, you know, especially with can, the state of everything right, is, right now. I can still go to Max Factory's website right now and order parts. There's still stuff coming in for it. I think everyone's yeah. just, just upset because they're they're waiting for his shells, which I get. They look mm-hmm. gorgeous. Um, and his waiting list is like 4,000 people long. Yeah, which, you know, is even a third of that going to end up actually purchasing? No. Yeah. No. A third of that's not going to end up purchasing. And, like, I understand that people are chomping at the bit, but they, they got to realize that there's certain items that can be made in a factory and we get a lot more insight with uh product wares coming in from ghostbuster fans which i love Mm -hmm. um a lot of respect for aj to be so open with the insight on how his business operates um because he doesn't he also doesn't owe us that um yeah but you know with the ecto goggles Okay, yeah, so the ecto-goggles themselves are being injection-molded in factory and shipped off to him, but then he's 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 sitting down and putting in the snaps by hand. Yeah, I, I've said it before, but I don't think people realize or they tend to forget that it's a one-man operation over at GB Fans. Yeah. You know, he he bags everything himself. He packs every order himself. You know, he... and we we and we talked about this uh, last episode as well. But it still it still bears repeating as many times as possible. Another great example: Heimdall's armory. You mm-hmm. know, he's doing those aluminum wands. He's doing those aluminum ghost traps, and uh, you know, just just ten aluminum ghost traps. That that's over five hundred screws that he's got <laughs> yeah. to make sure are milled and tapped in in all these plates and then put together and welded and ready to go to customers. I mean, over 500 screws. Yeah. Well, and, and two, a lot of things that seem simple, when you're doing them by the hundreds or yeah. whatever, you know, it becomes really time-consuming. It really does. Like, like bless everybody that's ordered a Ghostbusters two belt from me. Like mm-hmm. they, I, I should have known that they would end up taking longer <laughs> than I, I had hoped they your, would. Your, but, your initial estimates for shipping were ambitious. They were ambitious. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought I was giving myself plenty of time, but like I'm making progress, but you know, I'm a one man operation and I have other things that I do that I, you know, I can't just sit there and focus on those belts all day. Yeah. Right. Um and everybody's been really understanding and cool about it. And I you know, I wish more people were a little more uh understanding that, you know, a lot of these independent makers and, and uh people that offer up parts and stuff, a lot of them it's just them it's in their garage them. or their shop. It's not you know? their main job, it's not their main source of income. Uh we've seen what happens to the makers when it's their main source of income. Mm-hmm. They they produce amazing things like for five or six years and then they burn the fuck out and leave the community entirely. Yeah. I mean, that's why stuff like, uh, you know, full builds, like full commission builds and stuff, you know, you don't see a lot of people doing those anymore. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I mean, they're still out there, but you know, I feel like years ago there was people offering full builds all the time or offering their service. You send me a kit, I'll put it together. And you just don't see that much anymore. And I think it's because people have finally gotten wise to the fact that like, it's real easy to get in over your head. Well, and they turn on them so fast. Yeah. I mean, Ben of Kent went from being, you know, uh, the the all-star, you know, everybody being like, oh, go go for Ben of Kent, get your kit, you'll have your kit in, you know, less than a week. And the moment that the guy starts hitting a few delays, mm-hmm. they're, they're ready to put his head on a pike. <laughs> I'm like... Yeah. Give him, give him some fucking breathing room. Give these people some space. Now, Ben of Ken, I believe, you know, prop building is his primary thing, but I can't imagine the volume of orders that man gets for mm-hmm. his whole operation. I mean, he's got to have like a warehouse of 3D printers going, <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's it's honestly probably just one room that's really crammed. And very you know, hot. And they're all on, they're on the floor and they're like, you know, on the ceiling and everything, but, you know, like, and I, you know, I, I'm not making excuses for me or anybody else. Like, obviously there are plenty of people in the community that have scammed people. There out of are. Money. And there um, will be. And there will be more, but you know, a lot of people that have run off with people's money didn't start out intending to do that. No, they get in over their head and I've been they there. just kind of, I've been yeah, there. they kind of, they run and hide like, because when you, when you're stressed out of people constantly wanting to know, you know, where's my order? What's, mm-hmm. what's the status? What's the update? And you just don't have anything to, to offer. You have no updates to offer. Right. And then, you know, it's just overwhelming and like, it sucks and there's nobody to blame but yourself, but well, there's, yeah. there's no one to blame but yourself, but there's also that element. You don't want to let these people down because you're yeah, taking yeah, a lot yeah. of pride in what you're doing. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's one of the things I'll, uh, when I'm checking in on certain orders, I, I it, it's so hard because I know there's probably, for every one of me who's just saying, hey, anything? They say, no, hey, man, that's cool. Just keep yeah. that ball rolling. You know, um, I like to think that the people that I'm buying stuff from understand that even if there's no update, I'm at least just saying, hi, how are you? Things Mm -hmm. good. Um, But for every one customer that's like that or like me, there's probably five or ten being like, where the fuck is my shit that I I paid you for? Or in Max Factory's case, didn't pay you for. I I was amazed at the entitlement that I saw. I was like, he owes us an update. Mike, get fucked. Scrub. (laughs) He owes you shit. You ain't paid for nothing. Well, just the whole sense of, like, instant gratification that people have now. Like, not just in the Ghostbusters community, but, like, sure, you know, the cosplay and prop building community in general. You know, people... I I honestly think people sometimes think it's the same as walking into Spirit Halloween. Right. And it's not. And it's not. And, you know, you can always guarantee that if they give you a turnaround time of four weeks, six weeks, it's going to be double, triple, quadruple Mm -hmm. that probably. You know, especially with, you know, summertime, Halloween time, uh, you get those huge upticks and and, and people wanting things for con season and and Halloween and all that stuff. And uh, 
just do some research before you buy anything They're from not anybody. Going to. But yeah, <laughs> we're gonna. I I want to keep preaching that. Um, do your research, but they don't. Yeah. Um. Third world problems, man. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, your thousand dollar. Uh, prop is late. First world problems. I said third world. You, you know did, what I You meant. did say third world. That's why I thought it was so much more fucking funny. I was like, okay, yeah. Whatever. <laughs> oh, man, am I going to get my proton pack kit or am I going to eat this week? I don't know. <laughs> you know, the sad thing is, is, like, I know I've seen posts like that. Oh, Lord. Yeah. I, I, I have no job. I'm on disability. I can't afford to eat, but I really want a proton pack kit. It's like, ugh. Like, okay. Well, I've I've uh, you know I've run into people where, gosh, it's um I really really want a proton pack, but they're too expensive for me. And then they turn around and drop three or four hundred dollars on action figures. Mm-hmm. Like, listen, nobody. I'm not here to tell you to, how to spend your money, but choose what hobby you want to do and budget yeah. accordingly. You know, if you really, really want to build a proton pack, then go and build a fucking proton pack because anybody can do it. All yeah. you need is patience. You don't even actually need, you know, I mean, I, you you will need money, but patience. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to need patience overall. And I talk about that so much where it's just like, you know, instead of, uh, you know, that that one time that you eat out, save that 20 bucks or even that 10 bucks. And just roll it over to the next month, mm-hmm. you know. And if you save another ten bucks, well, boom! There you have twenty dollars. There's, uh, you know, there's an aluminum uh, filler tube, or maybe your that's two. That's a resin filler tube and a resin beam line. Mm-hmm. And yeah. there you go. That's what you got. Set that aside. You know, you can set aside twenty bucks a month. And, and have enough or, you know, close to enough for a shell at the end of a year. Yeah. Um, you or, know, I mean... Or I, enough I, to I have s- one 3D printed for you. It, yeah. The options are there. And and if, if you are so, so direly poor uh, that you cannot budget for for that and i'm not poor shaming because i've been there i've been the person sitting and looking at photos of proton packs going man i wish i could afford that but at that time i couldn't yeah and i understand the that wanting of that thing that you have so much attachment to but you might have more pressing issues at that time that need to be addressed yeah like where your next meal is coming from mm-hmm. um but if you had a proton pack, you could bust ghosts and make money. If I had a proton pack, the shit would be going to the pawn shop so I could, you know, feed my family. Best I can do is 20 bucks. Done. <laughs> it's just, I don't know. It's, I, uh, it's a time-consuming hobby, and it is yeah. a luxury hobby. There are numerous, numerous ways to get around it and bring the cost down. Spirit Halloween proton packs, I think, are phenomenal for that. If you want a proton yeah. pack, 
and you don't have the money for the big kit investments and all that stuff, you know what? Hell yeah. It's got lights. It's got sounds. It's, you know, they've, they've improved it. So the straps even look better. Um, and then you can easily upgrade it over time and budget out. I, I, that's one of the things I love about the spirit packs as a, as a gateway into prop building for, yeah. for Ghostbusters. Um, there's options there. Just it needs yep. patience. It needs some budgeting. I've been working on the superhero pack now for six years. Six years. I could not afford to build this pack if you put a gun to my head and said, you know, buy and build everything in a month. I couldn't do it. Yeah. Um, Unless somebody wants to be very generous and donate the money to the cause. Uh, yeah. And I wouldn't ask other people to do that. Yeah. Well, and the thing, too, about like these really crazy, you know, high accuracy builds and stuff, the stuff that we like to do. I don't know if I had all the parts in front of me, if it, if I could finish it in a week. I mean, no. technically, yes. Yeah. But there's so much nuance that goes into perfectly replicating certain things. And, you know, going back to like, do you want to have the epoxy right. leaks present? You know, that you can't just squirt epoxy on there and stick it down. Like, mm-hmm. you have to, you want to replicate the certain drips and all that stuff. And, you know, you can't, you can't do that all in a week. No. And, you know, for some of us, it's not a, it's the, it's the journey. It's not the destination. The destination's part of it, but the process getting there a lot oftentimes is, is the most enjoyable part. It is. And I, and, uh, but I'm also loving at the now more accessibility of the hobby. Uh, mm-hmm. Thank you yeah, for to, sure. to Spirit Halloween. And also thank you to 3D printing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, every day. I get on Facebook and I see something in the 3d printed group. I'm just like, that's cool. That's awesome. You know, mm-hmm. half the time anymore, it fools me. I don't realize it's 3d printed. Oh yeah. And, uh, I think that's awesome. You know, I don't, I'll never be one of those people that thinks it's the be all end all of it. Like, I don't need anything else ever again. I've got a 3d printer. Right. But, I am so impressed with what can be done with them and what I have seen people do with them. Certainly. And uh, yeah, just the accessibility of it now. And I'm being able to still a bigger, buy your, I'm still a bigger fan of resin casts. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, especially if you're, if you're making parts to sell, mm-hmm. I still think that's faster and more efficient. Sure. Um, I would love to, to talk to one of these guys that like 3d prints kits and sells them. I bet we could get taco belly or Quentin. Yeah. I mean, I would just love to pick their brain and be like, so how much wear and tear does your machine actually get? Mm -hmm. How much maintenance do you have to perform on it as a result of running the thing, constantly printing kits to sell, you know, and does that, does that outweigh the difference of, investing more money up front for, you know, silicone and casting materials. You know, what's that like in the long run? What's the difference? Surely. Well, I think that's a, an idea for an episode. Yeah. We'll do a WrestleMania 3D resin printed. versus 3d printed. We'll get, we'll get uh 
throwing chicken on versus taco yeah. belly. <laughs> I'd be down for that. It'd be awesome. That'd be neat. Did it just stop recording? No, no. no. Oh, just kidding. Okay. No, 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 no. We're 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 I'm, still going. I'm just I'm marveling. I was at a heart attack. I'm kind of marveling right now. I mean, like just just how far we we as a community have come and continue to move. Uh, mm-hmm. There's there's a lot of pride there. Um, I'm happy to see how much more accessible things are becoming. Like you said, every day you log into that 3D print group and you see something new that's cool, like a tripod yeah. trap or you know mm-hmm. the the RC trap that you know just six years ago um, everybody would be waiting for. Hopefully, someone more talented than them to do a resin casting. And then mm-hmm. you would hopefully be able to get in on that, you know, 15 slot run. And then you would have to sit there and wait for your six or seven months or more uh, for it to come in for you to inevitably fucking break it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, and like, even still, like, you know, the so many of the parts and pieces in Afterlife were 3D printed. Mm-hmm. And so somebody like me who likes not only visually having my props be accurate, but I'm also like really getting into the idea of like the materials being accurate, you know? Yeah. Um, obviously with a, with a proton back, you know, metal parts, things like that. But like, you know, if I were to do an RTV or, or a, a, a PKE taser, like I want that PKE shell to be 3d printed resin printed, you know, like the original, I want those, uh, bits of the RTV to be printed like the originals were. That you would know? be that's cool. Part, that's part of the accuracy to me. That would be cool. Um, and so this kind of like mishmash blending of all the different, you know, tried and true methods and the new technologies is it's fun. I I am a big fan of uh, where I'm at with this blending of all the different principles of replicas. Mm-hmm. Um, I will always, I think, be a original part kind of guy over replica. Yeah. I definitely, definitely, there's certain parts, especially Greeblies, in which I want the real part over a 3D print. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah. I, I do, I, I definitely see what you're talking about, the, the romance of being like, well, my RTB is built not only to spec of the original prop, but also in the same fashion. And I yeah. think it's just now it's a change of material, but it's still that same thing, which, you know, it's the reason I've thrown $500 down on a aluminum heat sink. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want I want exactly what they they used in the movie, since I can't have what they used in the movie. I want the same thing that they used in the movie, if that makes any sense. And that once it's painted, nobody will ever know the difference. But you will. And that's all that's important. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Got some static for that one, too. Uh... Hey, man. It's your money. You paid for it. You can melt it down and turn it into an aluminum billet for all I care. This, like This ball of aluminum in my hand melted down from an OEM heat sink straight from Apex, probably from the same box of heat sinks that they dug through in 1983. <laughs> the last one known to man, and it's mine. And, and I you, made you it, can't have it. I made it into a giant ball bearing. 
Uh, if money were no object, I'd do something like that just to just to watch people squirm. Oh, no, I wouldn't. Man. I could never. <laughs> uh, it, it was uh, it, like I've joked, man. Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters as a community, or at least the prop builders, has more enemies that we've made out of other prop building communities. <laughs> uh, let's see the the hearse builders hate us. Um, oh, calculator collectors! Calculator collectors hate us. Um, I've heard that Johnny Five Builders hate us, just because um, of the Legree elbows the, or the, the, the banjos. Legree banjos. Not only, yeah. not only do they hate us because we we buy up those banjos that they need for their Johnny Five replicas, uh, but apparently some of them have been stung by buying replica banjos that were intended for ghostbuster props <laughs> thinking that they were real banjos only to find out that they were solid chunks of of brass or aluminum and had they that, that they didn't have the qualities they needed for their johnny fives i mean that sucks but like so hey man it's only you know. poetic ghostbuster prop replica you know builders hate ghostbuster prop replica builders <laughs> Uh, I think something we may end up running into in the future is uh, the cannon connector for the afterlife pack. Oh, uh, um, yeah. So military uh, collectors probably don't like us, especially with well, the expedited rate in which we eat up Alice frames. Oh God. <laughs> well, it's, it's not, it's not only that, but that particular like cannon connector, that same size, but like the shorter version, like it's, mm-hmm. it's stumpier is used on uh, the vibro axe in return of the Jedi. Oh boy. And they're already impossible to find. Right. And so a lot of guys, if they find one that's like close enough, like whether it's a little taller or whatever, uh-huh. they'll buy it up and use it. It's just a temporary part, you know? And I, I wonder if we're going to run into that, like bidding wars over those. I don't know. But I'm, I'm looking forward to getting my, uh, a Graflex and turning it into a proton wand. <laughs> I'm gonna get a three cell Graflex and be like, "Hey, this is the this is the front of my new thrower." Plop, paint. It's a mashup. <laughs> it's a mashup. It's a crossover. What if Egon somehow, when he gets... died, he he turned into a Force ghost? Yeah, yeah. He kind of I mean, did. Got sent... I mean, yeah. That was kind of the whole thing. He was kind of doing his own. Obi-Wan Kenobi impression. I'm fine with it. I like it. You can say how you really feel. It's okay. What? I said I was fine with it. I liked it. And then there was and there was silence like you were I was angry contem- at I was me. contemplating it, you know. Uh I I it looked amazing. I still think it looked amazing. It was one of the best CGI recreations of of a deceased actor. Um, it was it was an incredibly touching and well thought out moment. As a fan, I loved it. Uh, I think as a Ghostbusters movie, it was strangely out of pace with the other two Ghostbuster movies. But at the same time, that makes it its own thing. So it, I, I'm I'm torn on my feelings on it. I have lots of feelings about it. But you know, as far as this podcast is concerned, this is props, special effects. Uh, it was incredibly well done. Yeah. 
and we're gonna we're gonna have to start doing that. We got to have some some talking about special effects here soon. Props are a special effect. No, one or the other. Okay. Yeah, we can do that. Yeah. We need to. We'll get around yeah. to it. We still need to talk about sets too. I mean, yeah. Luckily, <laughs> we release every Tuesday. Plenty of content <laughs> coming out. <laughs> Hey, how, yeah, baby. How those YouTube uploads going? I stopped trying a long time ago. <laughs> like after it's after it crashed the like ninth time of trying to do it, I was just like, you know what? Nobody listens on YouTube right now, anyway. So what does it matter? Fuck it. There we go. That's there we go. The Black Firehouse podcast mantra. Fuck it. We're just gonna do it when we feel good about it. Fuck it. We'll do it live. Fuck it, we'll do it live. There we go. We'll fix it in post. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. so I tell you what. Let, let's talk about where we are going as a podcast. Of course, we're gonna we're trying to make our best efforts, guys, to to get back to being a regularly scheduled podcast. It's something that Austin and I love doing. We're definitely not going anywhere. I can I can at least guarantee that. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm not gonna lie to our fans. My job keeps me very very busy and it is very common for me to be done with my work for the day and not want to even look at an electronic device um because i am spending all day on a computer and all day on a phone that i i just end up at a point where i'm like i don't want to fucking be near this shit anymore but we're gonna try we're 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 gonna keep going. We're gonna keep producing content and hopefully new and exciting content. Um, I do know we have Dragon Con coming up, and uh, Austin, I'm gonna be doing a lot of live streaming on props from Dragon Con. Um, I have seen some stuff that's been shared with me. I don't want to spoil for anyone, but there's going to be some stuff that I think will be absolutely 100% deservedly shared to the Black Firehouse podcast Facebook page. So our our listeners and viewers should look forward to live content from Dragon Con. Um, I will be live casting from HarshCon this year. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'll get you your ribbon, though. Yeah. I have HarshCon ribbons. I know. I have one from 2017. Okay. I'll, I'll make but... sure. I'll see if they're dated or not. Um, if not, just color over it with a different colored Sharpie. Because I, mean, I think they were white. Maker fair. Um, yeah, I'll take one of those. Other things that we're looking forward to. We are going to reattempt to schedule talking about Ghostbusters filming locations with um, the New York City Ghostbusters. They do an amazing on-foot filming location tour. And then, of course, we we keep talking about having Derek Osborne on our show. I know he's game. I know we're game to talk about behind-the-scenes production aspects of Ghostbusters. So there there is content, and, and we are going to keep making that content because this is something that Austin and I, I think, are, are really passionate about. But the reality is life is what it is, and we all have a ton of projects. I have so much more respect um for our friends over at you know yes have some or even bama geeks um Mm -hmm. you know brock and and all them 
Bo, Jessica do a fantastic job with a fantastic program. Um, just kind of talking about general pop culture, geek to- culture, and and then yes, have some. You know, they're they're creating their own little internet media empire, which I think is very very cool and uh, lots of respect for them. But we're gonna we're gonna keep doing this as long as we can. We got another movie coming out, so we it's do. gonna be a, a long time before. We're out of content. Yeah, but I'm not going to let it die, damn it. No, we're not going to let it die. Uh, People just need to be patient with us because sometimes we're going to hit delays. But um, almost every Tuesday. Almost every Tuesday. (laughs) Maybe Monday. Could be Wednesday. Maybe Maybe Saturday. Maybe very, very late at night on Mondays. We'll find out. A day of the week is when it releases. As to not disappoint Austin's dad. Yes. (laughs) You don't want to get on his bad side. Trust me. Don't. But I think we've had a nice episode. I I feel like we've done some catching up, shared some stories, shared some laughs, talked about props, talked about things that we've uh, done or experienced, shared our inside jokes, flew casual, Austin. I still just think about that bed, man, that bloodstained roll away. I mean, I try not to, but thank you for reminding me. I mean, like the podcast, I'm never going to let the memory of that bed ever die. <sighs> but like the podcast, I, I don't think I can ever forget all the horrible events leading up to that bed. But we had hibachi. We did have hibachi. And it and was, that was great. It was. It was really good. And then we went to that giant ass knife store that was just like That was weird. Used to be like a bookstore and there was just knives everywhere. Yeah, that was sharp. What? <laughs> so for the Black Firehouse Podcast, <laughs> this is your host, Stan Harshman and Austin Young. Telling you to go out and build something. As a duly designated representative of the city, I order you to cease any and all supernatural activity and return forthwith to your place of origin or to the nearest convenient parallel dimension. Okay, so I'll see you later, huh? I'll give you a call. Everything was fine with our system until the power grid was shut off by Dickless here. Two in the box! Ready to go! We be fast and they be slow! Ray has gone bye-bye, you guys. What have you done, by? For whatever reason, must Ray call it fate, call it love. Call it karma. I believe that everything happens for a reason. I believe that we were destined to get thrown out of this dump. For what purpose? To go into business for ourselves. Boy, the superintendent's gonna be pissed. We're ready to believe you.